Daddy, thank you very much. As I was playing that uh, gospel song, No One Cares for Me Like Jesus, I uh, remembered a story that I think I've told some of you before regarding Charlie Weigel, who wrote it. He came to Christ as uh, an adult, as a married man, and his wife did not come to faith. In fact, she was very upset that her husband had become a Christian. He did not like the change in his life and refused to live with him anymore and left him. And so Charlie was taken in by a Christian school in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he lived the remaining years of his life, uh, working on their campus, uh, teaching some and doing some more gospel songwriting. But that is the, the story behind No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. And it's a good reminder, isn't it, some of the sweetest songs of life come out of the kingdom that we endure because of what life brings us. Let's open our Bibles together to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 as we continue our study of this letter written by the Apostle Paul to the believers in the city of Corinth. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 5. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous or swindlers or with idolaters, for then you have to go out of the world. But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he should be an immoral person or covetous or idolater or reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. But what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Many years ago now, of course, my grandmother was making some bread one morning when my grandmother's neighbor from across the road came over and asked her if she wanted to go to town. My grandmother did not want to waste the dough, but she didn't want to miss the opportunity to go to town either. She knew that my grandfather would be upset if he saw the dough wasted, so she decided the best thing to do was to go to the backyard and bury it. Get rid of it, 
idolater. He means that the literal sense here, but we can go beyond that. He means people who are involved in cults and false religions. If there is a brother who gets involved in a cult or begins to worship idols, he goes on in chapter 10 to talk more about that. He mentions revilers here, that is a brother who uses harsh and abusive language, who uses and abuses others. It would be a brother who is a drunkard, who loses his senses by use of alcohol or other kinds of substances. It would be a brother who is a swindler. That means one who seizes by force what belongs to somebody else and who's a the plunderer, who is extortioner, those are the words here. In the first church that I pastored, we had a funeral home right across the street from the church. What was that convenient? It was right there. You know the name of it was? Swindler's Funeral Home. I thought to myself many times, they were wonderful people, wonderful people, some good friends of mine. But I thought many times I would wish they would change the name of that place. And since then they have, the generations say, that brought up swindlers. A very hated brother who is known as a swindler separates from him. Now he's not talking about people who were these things. I remember a few years ago, the first of our business testimony here in the church, our missionary in Bogota. Paul very transparently got his past and his involvement in drugs. There were one or two people in our church that nasty. We shouldn't have somebody like that speak from our church. Bless God, this man's gotten saved. He's serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We should have him talk from our church. You see, he's not talking about pastors, he's talking about people who are believers and men who are living these kinds of lifestyles. He says, not only don't tolerate them in the church, but tolerate the sin. He says, don't even allow them to be a part of the church, be intimately associated with them. He says, don't even eat with them. I don't know if he means eating the Lord's Supper or eating socially with them, but the point is the same. In Paul's conclusion in verses 12 and 13, that God will judge the outsiders. We aren't going to reform the world by our standards of conduct, are we? There is a a sense in which you can't pass moral standards in laws, you can't pass morality in laws. There's a sense in which that's true that you can't change people's hearts. You set moral standards, that's important to do. 
Thank you. 